0: Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. So we started this series last week called Kickstart. And uh, I'm, I'm like, Bobby, if you haven't, uh, if you weren't here or you haven't caught the uh, podcast, go grab that. It is uh, it's foundational. And it's really a fundamental truth where we we try our best to figure out, how are we going to kickstart our life? How do we get there? What do we do? And the fact is, I don't know anybody that doesn't have a season where they need a little kickstart. Everybody I know hits a season at some point in their life where they think, okay, I'm never going to get out of this rut. I can't get there from here. What am I going to do? How do I answer that? Do I take the job? Do I move? And at times we need the spiritual kickstart in our life to help us be able to see something that we can run to and find safety and purpose and meaning and value. So last week we started with this concept that kickstart, kickstart we, we, had to, we had to get our perspective right. We had to be able to see correctly. We had to see ourselves as God sees us, to see others as God sees them with the recognition that what God called us to do, regardless of what your faith system is, or even if you have one, we all have a time where we need to run and get to base. When you're a kid and you were playing tag, the object was to get to base, because when you got to base, you were, say it out loud. Yeah. When you got to base, you were safe. So our perspective last week is that when we allow our base to be this foundational perspective that this is how God sees you, then we have the opportunity to join him and we look at what is God calling us to do in community. I mean, I believe we can find in God's word, in the Bible, overwhelming proof that what he's called us to do is he's created us to live in community. Now, you've done this before, but go ahead and just humor me a little bit. Look around at the people beside you, in front of you. Go ahead, just look around. Don't don't be weird about it. Just look. Well, it is kind of weird, but you know. Okay, I know some of you too cool to do it, but all right. So what you have here is a whole room full of weird people. They're everywhere. I mean, think about it. It, Isn't that cool? Can you imagine a world filled with nothing but Chuck? It would be disastrous. It would be world war after world war. Can you imagine a world full of just you? But we're all pretty unique. We're all pretty special. But if we can go back to where we were created and start there, we find in in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God. And what did he do? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you jump down to chapter 2, and the Lord says that when he formed the man from the dust of the ground, he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. And then you jump down to verse 18 in chapter 2, and it says, And the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So God, before sin ever enters the world, God fixes this one big problem. He looks at aloneness and says, okay, I've got to do something. If the world's just full of nothing but that dude, this is not what I want to do. So he creates woman, and every man said yes or not. And then shortly thereafter, sin enters the world, and it's a whole new game on and so when you look at scripture you say wait a minute so in the beginning god created man and woman perfectly for one another and he breathed life into us when he finished creating the world he said that's good when he finished creating us he said that's really good now think about that when you looked in the mirror this morning did you see somebody that god would look back and say yeah that's my boy that's my girl we got this or did you look in the mirror and think you know what how could god ever use me and all the while he's saying to us overwhelmingly He's saying, I didn't just create you to sit in a church. I created you for community. I created you for community. We were built to be with one another, especially the weirdos. You, me. See, here's what God did. He said, in the beginning, I created you know what he said? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God was about human community in creation. Right after that, though, he starts taking a few of his boys, and we see how community plays out in the life of Moses. So Moses, we know, walking by, burning bush, on fire, not consuming the bush. Moses standing on holy ground. Moses totally freaked out. God says to Moses, I want you to go get my people. I want you to go to Pharaoh. and I want you to tell him, release my people. And Moses is like, no, not me. That is is not what I do. I'll write a check. I'll have dinner. But I am not going to see Pharaoh. I can't talk. I stumble. I stutter. I I can't do this. And God says, I got you covered. I'm going to give you your brother Aaron. Later on, I'm going to give you your sister Miriam. And y'all are going to fight like cats and dogs, but you're going to have this common purpose that bonds you. So he leads them out into the wilderness and he's headed toward the promised land. In the middle of that, we have a problem. Moses is in charge of all these people. He's working a hundred hours a week. And as people are coming, they line up and they ask Moses, what am, I, what am I to do? Where am I to go? Who am I supposed to be? And Moses starts giving them answers and nobody does anything until Moses says it. And then his father-in-law comes and joins him. And Jethro looks at Moses and said, dude, what are you doing? Well, all these people, I can't even go to the bathroom. They're killing me. And he says, Well, yeah, what you're doing, what these people are doing, this is not good. You can't handle it alone. You got to share the load. Now, let me just stop and say if Moses can't handle it, what makes us think we can? We're designed to be in community. If Moses needed, how about us? What about King David? King David, here's a guy that cheated on his wife. Here's a guy that uh, was a murderer. Here's a guy that was a liar. Here's a guy that was a thief. And what did did God say to him? That's a man after my own heart. That makes no sense. But he had a a band of David mighty men. Some of them could take out three Philistines, some 30. They were different. They had a different vibe about them. But God put them together. I mean, think about it. You look at the story of Gideon in the Old Testament. He's got 300 dudes with the weapons of mass destruction of a jug, a torch, you know, and a horn. And, and he looks at, at all the Midianites he's supposed to defeat, and there's 135,000 of them. And he says to his 300 boys, break into three groups of 100, break your jugs, shine your torch, and blow the horn, and we're going to beat those 135 well-armed men. Listen, I'm, I'm part of Gideon's team and I'm saying, dude, no, that is so stupid. We are going to die today, but you're excited about it. What is wrong with you? And Gideon goes down there. They do it. And 135,000 Midianites drowned. And you see the power of community. But then Paul comes along in the New Testament. He puts this church starting group together and these little missionary group, and they fought like cats and dogs. They didn't all get along because I realized to live in community doesn't make it easier, it just gives us a better product. It never makes life easier. I mean, wherever two or more gathered, you've got problems. I mean, just think of how unique we think in here. If I took this whole group this morning, I said, all right, we're going to go build a mission house and a series of them in Zimbabwe. We're all going to work together. And when we work together, we're awesome. But when we stop and have to think together, now that's a whole other story. Because we don't think alike. We're very unique. We were built for community. But you look at that and you say, this makes no sense. So Paul puts his team together. And then the one person who didn't need a team at all is Jesus, and he modeled for us that he picked a team, and he picked a team none of us would have picked. I mean, he picked zealots that had knives purposefully to kill tax collectors, and he, he put those two together on a team. I mean, that's like putting an Alabama fan and an Auburn fan on the same team. I mean, they're both a little whacked out, but it can't be good. I mean, that, that's just weird, right? Scott, weird, right? But see, you look at this, and you say, this is what it looks like when we have community. But God built us to that. But here's what's interesting. If this is our community, and we've all got a little something special going on here, this is what it looks like. We're all together. We're in this. And we can't choose not to be. Now you say, well, check this. I'm I'm a severe introvert. I am not about all that. Mm -mm. Just doing stuff together, no. That is not for me. Sounds like Moses, doesn't it? Sounds like David to me. Well, I'm just not in for all that, Chuck. Well, you see, if we look and say, okay, we were made and created for community, then what about me? Because I don't fit in, Chuck. I don't fit into church. I don't get what you guys do. I don't understand this whole God thing. Where do I fit in? Well, here's what's cool. God makes you and creates you, and he makes you unbelievably unique. You were created to be unique. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you to recognize and celebrate your weirdness. Now, some of you are a little more weird than the others. You know who you are. You're the one who's thinking right now, he's not talking to me. And recognize I was made so unique. Out of 7.4 billion people on this planet flying through the universe, I'm special. How do I know that? Here's what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same God. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Paul goes on and he says, I planted seeds, Apollos watered seeds, and then God provided the growth. Paul's even looking at us saying, use your unique weirdness and make community better. Don't hide it. You see, I think what happens is we we all figure out what our tribe is, who our people are, and we, we gravitate toward it. Like, if you're an introvert, like severe introvert, you are not going to gravitate toward a severe extrovert. You're, you're just going to want them to say, shh, shh, you're driving me crazy. I mean, we, we, we're all a little unique. We have these spiritual gifts that God gives us that's meant for the church at large, for the body of Christ, but we also were born with these weird temperaments. Some of us are just really intense people. You got the picture of somebody? I mean, they are all jacked up on life. I mean, it's just we we gotta do this. Like I don't know where Diane Mafia is, but if you have a conversation with her, she literally just kind of throws Haiti up on you. I mean, you're just covered in Haiti. And if you don't do and you don't dig the whole Haiti thing, she looks like you like you got four heads. Right? And then we got folks who do these backpack ministries here. And you know, they're zealots about that. If you don't do backpacks, you must not love Jesus. We got folks serving in preschool and children, student ministries, and they're all about that thing. Here's what I'd say to you. Isn't it good that we all have something that God calls us to? Some of us just really haven't tried to find it yet. Some of us are really just trying to work around it. But what he's saying is, I built you uniquely for a purpose. Paul goes on and he says, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. You're unique. Some of us more than others, but you, you are unique. You are a unique child of God, built to be in community, and we're uniquely crafted to do something that we really struggle with. If we're cre- created for community, we're created uniquely. We're also created to serve in love. Now, I know what you're thinking. I think you're saying, "Well, Chuck, I serve." I mean, I'm at church right now. I'm, I mean, I'm serving. And and is that what it looks like for me to serve in love? Well, let's take a look at what Jesus had to say about that. The same Jesus who said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are merciful, blessed are those who are peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. So th- Jesus comes, ha- has this counterculture, counterintuitive perspective that says, if you really want to be great, you've got you've to learn to serve and love in your community, because you were uniquely crafted by me to do something special that only you can do. He, didn't, he did not create us to sit on the sidelines. He created us to play on the field, and he's saying, serve in love. So Jesus does this unbelievable thing at the time. Because servants, the lowest of the slaves, they would have been the people that washed feet before dinner time. Because when you recline on your side, your feet are naturally t- towards somebody else's head. And you've walked through like donkey poo and stuff like that all day long. So your feet are just gross. Are you with me? You you, you got a picture, don't you? It's caked on. It's been a hot day. It's sweat. and You got the mud. You you got the picture, right? So Jesus does the unthinkable. And here's what he does. In John's gospel in chapter 13, verse 4 says, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Wow. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. He goes on down in verse 12, and he says, After washing his feet... He put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I am Lord and teacher, I've washed your feet, and you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I tell you the truth, one who sends the message. Now, get this. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the message. Now, You know these things, and God will bless you for doing them. So I suppose I look at Jesus' model, and he's saying, if you really want to kickstart your life, you've got to go about this in a different way. You see, if, if Jesus is the why, then it's pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, when we know the why, we're all in. But if we can't answer the why, we're in trouble. And Jesus is saying the why is that if you will serve others and take the lowest possible position to be a blessing to others, He's saying, God's going to bless you. But we don't do it for the show, and we don't do it for the dough. We do it for the simple fact that Jesus said, go do this. That little boy that was baptized a little while ago, backstage we were talking with him. And you know why? He He got baptized because he wanted to do what Jesus had done. That's what Jesus is calling us to do here. He says, you go wash feet like I have. You go take the lowest position. Go do it because it's a matter of the heart. Every teaching Jesus ever had is a matter of the heart this one including. It's just not something to put on a list. It's not something you do just because the church has a program and backpacks to fill and, and houses to clean up and roofs to repair and all that stuff. It's not just because we go to Haiti or Kenya or Cuba or where else. It's not what it's about. It's about on your daily walk, outside of whatever the church's program, is in your DNA, is your heart changed to the degree that you're willing to know that I'm uniquely crafted to live in community and to do that and see people in need and serve them in love. So Paul comes along, and he says, okay, here's how we're going to do this. If you got the why, let's do the how. He says in Ephesians 4, 2, always be humble and gentle. And then he goes on and says, do all this with patience. Okay, really? This is not patient. Some of you are not patient. At this moment, women are breaking ribs right now. But he says, go have patience. Now, what he's really saying is this. Go recognize that when you do this, there are going to be people that challenge your motivation. There are going to be people that think you ought to do more. There are people who are going to have a critical spirit toward what you do, but be patient, stay the course, live that, serve with patience. I, I was raised in a home that taught me how to have a critical spirit. My family, some of you old-timers who have been around here, knew my mom and dad before they passed away, but I was raised in a home that taught me how to have a critical spirit. You could be watching a television show, when we find out what was wrong. You'd see somebody do something, we'd point out a flaw. Somebody would sing, and, and we'd point out something that they couldn't sing, even though we couldn't sing. We see somebody who started a business, we find out what's wrong with it. You know what I've discovered? When you start looking for what's wrong, you're going to find it. If you're looking for what's wrong in this world, I promise you'll find it. It was only a couple of years ago that I started recognizing. Wait a minute! I'm carrying on this critical spirit. That's, that's got to stop for me to be able to serve people in patience, I got to stop. I can't, I can't have a critical spirit where I find something wrong with everything. Paul goes on and he says, it's not just about having patience. He says in Philippians 2.3, we need to have some humility as we do this. And you know that, again, is this natural to us? No, we're taught how to be number one. I mean, he says in this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. But then he drops a bomb on us. And he says, do what you do with significance. Now watch this. What does he mean? He's saying, go bigger, go home. Go serve. Go do something extraordinary. I believe this church sometime in the next few years, not only will provide housing for people in transition that are homeless, but a place that literally we have the opportunity to raise up hundreds and hundreds of champions who right now are students at risk in our schools. Let's dream big. Let's go serve big. Do something with significance. He says in John chapter 15, 13, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for for a friend. Go big. And then he finishes up and he says, wait a minute, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to also serve with brokenness. I want you to also serve with brokenness. Here's the picture. Jesus in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, it says he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it and then he broke it in pieces and gave it and the disciples were saying this hearing him say this is my body which is given to you do this in remembrance of me what he's saying is i was broken so you could go serve broken people i was broken so your heart could be broken for people in need when's the last time in your life you recognize god put somebody in your path for you to serve them and you just blew them off i've been there i think it's been me this week where I, I allowed whatever's crucial in my life to take a priority over serving people with a broken heart. You see, I get it, Chuck. I spent most of my life trying to be somebody. And you know what I discovered? That what God wanted to do in my life was kick my start. He did. He wanted to kick my start. He wanted to say, son, you're trying to be somebody and trying to instead of serving somebody. And the fact is, Chuck, you're a nobody until you serve everybody. So I'd look and I'd say to you, there's three circles down at the bottom of of your brochure. By the way, I want to invite you to join me every day in these uh, encouragement videos on the app. And we'll work through this worksheet through the app and through the website this week, but there's three circles. Here's what I will ask you to do. You look at those three circles and you notice I've given you a midline, kind of as a point of reference in each of those. And I want you to answer three questions. Let's go to circle number one. And let's just look at that and say, okay, how are you doing in creating time in your calendar to be filled up with the power and the presence of God so you can pour it out on somebody? I had to do this this week. As a matter of fact, I struggled with it. And when I looked at my calendar, I thought, what am I doing intentionally to prepare myself? And I'm a pastor, for goodness sake. What am I doing to prepare myself to be filled up? See, what what we see here is Jesus is saying, I want to pour all that into you so you can pour it all out. And then you come back and get filled up, and then you can go back out. Are you with me? And you look at that and say, what percentage of time are you doing in there? I had to look at mine and say, you know what, I think mine's about right there. How are you doing on that? Secondly, I look at that and say, okay, if that's the midline, what am I doing to allow myself to be vulnerable enough? And what time and what perspective do I give to help people that are in need? Where are you at right there? And then the third circle what am I doing in my circle of influence, my tribe, my people, my family, my work, my team? What am I doing to ensure that I'm working with them, serving them, and they know I'm here for you? I'll get you across the finish line. How are we doing on that? I'd look at this and I'd say to myself, man, I don't rate very well on that chart. As a matter of fact, I, I pretty well stink. So I'd ask you, let's stop and let God give us a good look. How are we doing with our patience and our humility and our significance and our brokenness? And as a church, are we really doing enough? We had a, uh, we had a church member call us this week and said, you know, my dad used to pastor a church in Tucker, Georgia. And they heard what Sugar Hill Church is doing in their local schools and we wanna help our schools, but our church is kind of aging now, we, we just can't do it anymore. Would you guys help us? Yeah, man, we're all about it. So we'll take on two more schools this fall. You know why? Because we've been called to serve uniquely in our community and make a difference for the cause of Christ. So I invite you today to join me. Would you take that unique part of you and put it to work in community, to serve people, to love people, especially people who don't look like you, think like you, and act like you. Because God didn't put prerequisites on our service. He simply said, if you wanna be great, go serve people. Father, we love you and we thank you that in this community, you've called us to reach out and to serve and to care and love people. God, would you speak into our lives and give us the ability to understand and know your goodness, your grace, As you called us into community, God, would you put people in front of us this week that would be Waterford crystal clear that you place them for a purpose in this time. So Lord, use us and keep us and bless us. Cause us to have a broken heart, filled with humility, ready to serve, and ready to serve you and point people to you. So Lord, I would ask you, reach into our heart, Mold our heart to fill the hole with your goodness and your grace. God, speak unto us how we're to be a community. Bless our life in the sense that we know we're unique, but special for your cause and for your, your work. God, let us be servants so we can just taste your greatness. We love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior. And our Lord, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.